You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. I need to do everything I can when I'm praying to be alert. That's why there's no magic about closing your eyes to pray. Whoever started that, the idea of closing your eyes is to focus out from everything around you and focus in on what you want to pray. But sometimes, you know, you close your eyes and you just start to drift. Open your eyes. Jesus, before he multiplied the bread and the fish, he said he looked up to heaven and he gave thanks. He prayed. Be alert. Prayer doesn't have to be some crazy show. You don't have to have some fancy lingo down, and you certainly don't need to be at some higher spiritual level to approach the Lord. Prayer is for everyone. It's a simple conversation with God. You do need to focus, though. As with any conversation, you want to have your mind and heart tuned to the one you're speaking with. Today, Pastor Danny will give you some tips on how to do that and will encourage you to find what works for you and then start praying. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Jude, chapter 1, with today's edition of The Living Word. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If I really believe that, I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting the word, the word, the word, the word. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I'm going to build myself up in my most holy faith, got to have the word. Sanctify them, Jesus said, by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify, set apart, and so that you can grow, set apart unto the Lord to be built up unto him. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. That's daily, daily steps and long-term direction. Know where I'm headed. Psalm 119, verse 11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Before I was married, I uh, had a couple of roommates and uh, a couple of other friends. We used to meet I think it, the max was, there was six of us at one point, and every, I think it was every Monday night. Anyway, every one, one night a week, we'd meet together and we'd memorize scripture. We'd memorize whole chapters in the Psalms and whole chapters of the Bible, like five verses at a time. And you had all week, you learn like five verses, and I'd take a three by five card around with me. And I'd have the five verses uh, written there. Sometimes I have the whole thing, you know, written out. And throughout the day, throughout the day, take a break and look at it. Look at it and read it. Read it. And then try to say it and read it. And you just keep doing that over and over again. Let me tell you something. It's a whole lot easier to memorize scripture when you're young. It's a whole lot easier. If you're young, I don't know if I'm young. Well, if you're younger than me, you're, you're doing good. But it's a whole lot easier to memorize scripture when you're young. I encourage you. Get those three-by-five cards. Find a couple of Christian friends and say, hey, let's meet together and let's memorize Scripture together. 
Because then, like I say, the more sword you got in your sheath, the more weapon you got in your hand. And as I'm going through the day, these scriptures that I've read and that I've memorized, they, the Holy Spirit brings them to my mind when I need them. Tremendous. Tremendous. I got things lodged in here that, you know, that I memorized in the King James Version. And even though I read them in the NIV, when I think about them, it's King James. But that's okay. Paul said, now I commit to you to, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Let me read you this one, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen, before I finish the message, if you'll make a decision right now. If you'll make a decision and follow through on it, it'll revolutionize your Christian life. It will revolutionize your Christian life. If you'll make a decision that I'm going to decide what time and start tomorrow, start today. But I encourage you to make a regular habit of starting in the morning with the word. I need the word before I go into the day, not after I've been out in the world of evil all day. You know, every day has enough evil of its own. I need to go into the battle with the word. And that should be the goal, I believe. And I, I could give a lot of scripture uh, to back that up. And Jesus, as an example, he got up often uh, up early in the morning and went away to a solitary place. Get you a Bible reading plan. Is it wrong to just say, okay, Lord, lead me, and you open and say, okay, this is what I'm going to read today? Not necessarily, but if that's the habit, that's probably not a good deal. Because, you know, you want to get a plan, and you want to go through the whole Word of God. Now, as you do that... Let me give you this one. Like newborn babes, Peter says, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. If you're a, a brand new Christian, unless you're just unusual, or you're the exception, you're going to read and there are going to be things you read and you just go, I got nothing out of that. I don't even know what that means. But you're a baby. We didn't bring any of our kids home and, uh, and, and take them into the kitchen, you know, hold them and say, now here's the, here's the pantry and here's your food. And when you get, you know, hungry, you, no, no, we got to change that kid's diaper. We got to put a bottle in there repeatedly and we got to feed that child. Young Christians, young Christians, while you should right away start to read the word on a regular basis, with that said, with that said, you're going to need to be bottle fed until you can grow. So what you do, not only, not only read the word on your own, if you receive from particular teachers, if you receive from my teaching, then get recordings of me or podcasts or something like that. And, and in the morning or on your way to work, in the car, whatever, you know, listen to it. Listen to it. Uh, you can get, even get things where people will just read scripture to you. But if we really want to do it, we can get scripture into us every single day, every day. And if you'll make a decision to do that and follow through on it, revolutionize your Christian life. I promise you. God promises you. Revolutionize your Christian life. The Word of God. Essential for building myself up in my most holy faith. Now, second, pray in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Pray in the Holy Spirit. I got some fresh, I think, revelation from the Lord on this. At least for me it was. And I'll just pass it on to you and, and you can decide. Uh, but what is praying in the Holy Spirit? I think praying in the Holy Spirit first is uh, be, becoming sensitive, and we grow in this, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's prompting. Uh, for example, I asked the meeting last night at church, uh, last night here at church, and I was amazed at how many hands went up. I probably shouldn't have been surprised, but how many of you uh, just 
out of nowhere, someone has popped into your mind and you go, why in the world am I thinking about them? How many, that just popped into your mind. You see, look how many hands. You see what that is most likely? That's most likely the prompting of the Holy Spirit to pray for that person. It's happened to me a number of times over the years, and sometimes I've actually called the person after I prayed for them. And I, and I said, you know, I just don't know what it is. You just popped into my mind, and uh, I just was, I've just been praying for you. And sometimes they live totally, you know, miles, some hundreds of miles away. And so many times, so many times when I get a hold of them, they will say, well, I can't believe that you're praying for me. And then they'll tell you what's going on in their life. And then you know that was the Holy Spirit prompting me, prompting me, putting them on my mind. Then second, I think it's the help of the Holy Spirit. Let me read Romans chapter 8. Depending on the help of the Holy Spirit when we pray, because there's sometimes you just don't know what to pray. You just don't know how to pray. Romans chapter 8 is so encouraging. Verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. I have had times where I'm literally crying and I'm just moaning heavenward. This verse tells me, and I can know by faith, in those times where I don't even know what to say and I'm calling out to God and whatever it is that's got me in that situation, the Holy Spirit is helping. He's interceding. And God takes those groans and the Spirit translates those groans heavenward and then God, God hears God hears. Isn't that tremendously encouraging? When we don't know what to pray for, don't know how to pray, and the Holy Spirit intercedes. Praying in the Holy Spirit. This was a fresh word for me. I believe praying in the Holy Spirit is praying with self-control. 1 Peter 4 verse 7 says this, be self-controlled and alert so that you can pray. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the, the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. And you know what one of those is? Self-control. Ephesians 6.18. Listen to what it says. Ephesians 6, verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Be alert. What was it that happened to Peter, James, and John when Jesus invited them there in the garden to pray? And he said, pray that you not fall into temptation. And then he goes off and prays and he comes back and uh, repeatedly when he comes back, what are they doing? They're sleeping. I need to do everything I can when I'm praying to be alert. That's why there's no magic about closing your eyes to pray. Whoever started that, the idea of closing your eyes is to focus out from everything around you and focus in on what you want to pray. But sometimes, you know, you close your eyes and you just start to drift. Open your eyes. Jesus, before he multiplied the bread and the fish, he said he looked up to heaven and he gave thanks. He prayed. Be alert. Sometimes I walk and pray. Now, Ephesians 6.18, another fresh uh, revelation that I believe is included in praying in the Holy Spirit, and it's this, variety. With this in mind. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. There are all kinds of different ways to pray. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, I urge, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. That's four types of prayer. Intercession is when you're praying for someone or for a group. 
You're interceding on their behalf. Sometimes we pray for something. Uh, sometimes it's thanksgiving. And then the prayers there, that includes anything else. And then, and you know, this next one is so biblical, but some people don't, don't, just don't believe it's biblical. And I, I can't help you there. You have to decide what you're going to believe there. But sometimes pray, or, or excuse me, praying continually. I, let me, I forgot about that one. Praying continually. First uh, Thessalonians 5.17 says pray continually. Great illustration of this one in uh, Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king. That's a serious responsibility because if you do anything wrong in that culture, he could have your head. The king asked, verse 2, me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. He's afraid he's going to get in trouble with a sad face he has. Uh, but I said, uh, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lie in ruins? That's Jerusalem. Then the king said to me, what is it you want? And notice what it says. What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. He didn't say, I'll answer you in a minute. Let me go away. And he goes away and he kneels and he prays. No, just at that moment, that split second, when the king asked, what is it you want? He says, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> I mean, just, just without saying it out loud, king doesn't know he's praying. And then he answered the king. This is praying continually. If you're driving, you can pray. Keep your eyes open. It's a great thing when we grow in prayer and learn that praying in the spirit, I can pray anytime. I can wake up in the middle of the night and my God does not sleep. He does not slumber. He will hear me. In any situation, I don't have to kneel first. I don't have to close my eyes. I can just cry out to God. And nobody else knows I'm doing it. And he will hear me. What a good God we serve. What a good God. And then this last one, praying in the spirit. If God's given you a supernatural gift of tongues, exercise it. Use it. Now, some people don't believe in the gift of tongues today. I used to not believe in the gift of tongues. I believe all the gifts are available today, and I don't see anything in the Word that says otherwise. I haven't experienced all the gifts. I've been wanting this gift for years, and God hasn't given it to me. And I accept that. I believe I'm baptized in the Holy, with the Holy Spirit. I believe I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not an issue with me. God gave my wife the gift of tongues. It's a good gift. Let me, let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. And this whole section is about the confusion and uh, terrible things that were happening in the church of Corinth because it was, they were out of control in terms of expressing gifts. And this is written to bring order. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. And yet, if God's given us that gift... Uh, one of the purposes right there is to edify, to build up. You can pray. If you read that whole chapter, uh, you can sing sometimes and worship the Lord in this gift of tongues. You can pray. And, it, and some people call it a prayer language. Again, my wife has it. And uh, I know some of you are uncomfortable with that. But it is what it is. It is what it is. It's a good gift. It's a good gift. And praying in the Holy Spirit sometimes is exercising this gift. And if you'd like it, ask God for it. And if he wants you to have it, hey, he'll give it to you. He hasn't given it to me. And then third, keep yourself in God's love. 
Keep yourselves in God's love. Boy, this could be a whole message in itself. How do I do that? John chapter 15. By the way, I'm so excited about this message. This, this is one of the most practical messages I could ever share. I really believe that. And if we'll do it, if we'll do something about it, I'll tell you what, it'll change your life. John chapter 15, verse 9. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. How different Balaam and his life would have been. The story there in Numbers chapter 22 I referred to last week. When God says to him, when the people from the king of Moab come to hire him to put a curse on Israel, and God says to him, do not go with them. What did he do? He went with them. He went with them. If he'd have just obeyed. Listen, nobody can make you obey but you. Nobody can make me obey but me. The only one responsible for my obedience is me. And it's a choice. God said to Cain, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. He wasn't willing to obey. Proverbs 19.3, a man's own folly ruins his life. Now, let me give you a second one on this one, keeping yourself in God's love. First of all is obedience. Second, church meetings. Ooh, this is so practical. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 again. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. So it is with you, since you're eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. Verse 26. What shall we say, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All these must be done for the strengthening of the church. He's talking about things that happen in a public church meeting that build us up. Hebrews chapter 10 encourages don't stop meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But do so even more as you see the day approaching. One of the first ways people get pulled away is to stop the regular meeting. And then Christian relationships. Go back to John. Listen, this is fascinating. John chapter 15, I just read where Jesus said, Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my Father's commands and remain in my love. Then you don't want to miss verse 12. Listen to it. My command is this. Here's his command. Love each other as I've loved you. Says it again, verse 17. This is my command. Love each other. What that means, practically speaking, don't miss it. First John uh, says, let us not love uh, with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And it says, if we see our brother or sister in need, uh, we reach out to help them. That means you're in such relationship in the church that you know somebody's need. Now, you won't know everybody's. But you're involved somehow, small groups, ministry together, and you know one another so well that you know what need they have, and you're able to reach out in love if God's provided for you to be able to do that. So practical. Once we become relational in the church, please don't be surprised when you find out that your brothers and sisters are just as imperfect as you are. Ephesians 4.2, bear with one another in love. Bear with one another in love. You know, one of my first disappointments getting involved with the church right after I became a Christian, a Sunday school teacher rebuked me. I didn't receive it initially. I didn't receive it. I, I thought it was a little too much. 
I won't tell you what I did, but I just thought, what's, you know, what's the big deal? And then the Holy Spirit so convicted me, I later went back to that Sunday school teacher and I apologized and I thanked them for loving me enough to rebuke me. You see, if we're tied in together in such a way that we can not only reach out to one another when we have need, but we're so tied in together that when we see a brother or sister and they need that rebuke and we love them enough, we love them enough to do it. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. That's what the Lord says. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. People that always just want to say nice things because they don't want to ruffle anything in the relationship, they don't really love us. People that really love us, if we need a confrontation, they will confront us. That's real love. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. And then there's one more. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. This one's pretty easy to understand. Keep your head in the clouds. I told you before, I'll say it again. Anybody ever says to me, your head's in the clouds, I say thank you. Come on, everybody, read this with me. Come on, you ready? Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Isn't that tremendous? I think about heaven every day, every day. But I've been thinking about it this week more than normal. Because I told you last week our family dog died. I still can't believe how much I miss that dog. And I keep thinking. I just, I just, it just keeps coming into my mind. It keeps Revelation 21. There's coming a day there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. And then the Holy Spirit says to John, write these words down because they are trustworthy and true. You imagine? We're going to live in a world one day. I'm going to live in a world. There'll be no more death. I've been thinking about that more than ever before this week. No death. No mourning. No crying. No pain. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he'll provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. I really pray we don't just hear these words in the closing of this wonderful little epistle of Jude. To him who was able to keep you from falling, that's his part. But if I don't do my part, he can't do his part. If I'll stay away from ungodly influences, if I'll keep up the spiritual disciplines, spiritual exercises, if I'll stay in fellowship with committed, genuine committed believers, fellowship where we really are tight, and if I'll keep my head in the clouds, one day I'll stand before him, and you will too. And he'll say, good job. 
Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of your Lord. You've been listening to The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Sometimes life circumstances can hit hard, and they can leave us wondering where God is. Not only that, they can leave us wondering if He's even real at all. But rest assured, the Lord never leaves or forsakes. And most importantly, He is the truth. Are you wrestling with your faith today? There's strength in lifting one another up in prayer, and we'd be honored to do that for you. Send us an email at info at ccf. S-T-P-E-T-E dot church. That's info at C-C-F S-T-P-E-T-E dot church. Would you also pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and our ideas second. His guidance is what we need. Would you pray that we'd recognize His voice always? Thanks for praying. If you don't already have a church home and you live in or near St. Petersburg, we'd love to be that for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship invite you to join us for our weekend services. Check out ccfstpete.church for the latest service times or to find out how you can join us online if you're not in the area. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us again next time to hear another message from this study in the book of Jude right here on The Living Word.